This is Emergency Medicine Cases Best Case Ever podcast series, and I'm your host, Anton Hellman. If you haven't already, check out the EMU 365 videos on the EM Cases website. It's our new offering. What is EMU 365? Well, it's hand-picked talks from North York General's Emergency Medicine Update Conference, the largest independent EM conference in Canada, released on EM cases every few weeks, all year round. We're talking world-class speakers, Amamatu, Sarah Gray, Chris Hicks, Kylie Bosman, Walter Himmel, Aaron Seal, j- just to name a few. The best part is that it's all free open access, so just go to emergencymedicinecases.com slash emu-365. Each new release will be announced in the EM Cases newsletter, which about 10,000 of you are signed up for already. If you're not signed up, uh, you can sign up on the website. Second, both the upcoming EM Cases course and Podcast Camp course are sold out. However, there is a waiting list that you can sign up for, and inevitably there's uh, a few people who bail out last minute for unforeseen emergencies, so don't give up. Uh, There is a waiting list. And lastly, if you're a Spotify user, I'm happy to announce that EM Cases podcasts are all now available on Spotify. Now on to Michelle Clayman's Best Case Ever. In anticipation of our episode on opioid use disorders, it's my pleasure to welcome for the first time to EM Cases, Dr. Michelle Clayman, emergency physician at St. Michael's Hospital in Toronto, diplomat of the American Board of Addiction Medicine, who also has a fellowship at the Center for Addiction and Mental Health in Toronto. Dr. Clayman, welcome to EM Cases. Thank you very much. Pleasure to be here. I understand you have a best case ever for us that pertains to opioid use. Yes. So I was working an ambulatory shift at Janus Hospital, and I picked up the chart of a 38-year-old female, and the chief complaint was abscess. Easy enough. We see a lot of abscesses. We're used to doing incision and drainage of these. This was not a big deal. I walk into the room and I see a fairly disheveled woman who is groaning in pain on the stretcher. She looks incredibly uncomfortable. And I asked her what's wrong and she shows me two large abscesses on her leg. She has had obvious signs of multiple previous abscesses in her legs and on on, on both her arms. Um, I ask her if she knows what may have caused these abscesses. She tells me she's been injecting fentanyl and frequently gets abscesses, and she's having a lot of pain. In fact, she's having so much pain that day that she hasn't been able to use any fentanyl because she wasn't able to leave her house and came into the emergency department. So here she is with two large abscesses on her legs in severe pain and going through withdrawal. So the usual approach to treating abscesses is fairly straightforward, right? We put in local anesthetic, do an incision and drainage. Perhaps we rinse it out. End of story. Give some patients some discharge instructions. However, in this patient, local anesthetic was not going to cut it. I tried injecting lidocaine into one of the abscesses, and she would just flinch and fly off of the bed. There was no way that I could safely provide proper anesthetic for the procedure in the ambulatory area. So she had requested, and she had had this before, to have procedural sedation for her abscess. And I thought it was reasonable, but I knew that obtaining an IV was going to be challenging. 
she did agree to have our nurses come in, and they were unfortunately unsuccessful at obtaining IV access. And there was actually three nurses that had tried. And at that point, we had to think about other ways to get her feeling comfortable so we could do the procedure. So what we decided on in conversation with the patient was using um, a little bit of oral lorazepam and then an IM injection of fentanyl so we could have more of a quick onset so we could get the procedure done um, while she was there within a few hours. It also provided her with a little bit of relief from her withdrawal so she wasn't withdrawing from the fentanyl that she was using at home. So we gave her the lorazepam, gave her some intramuscular fentanyl, came back about 20 minutes later and she was much more comfortable. And then at that point, I was able to use a local anesthetic and to successfully do two INDs on her abscesses. But because we had gained a very good therapeutic relationship, we were able to start talking about her substance use in a very um, open, and I tried to be very non-judgmental and use some of the techniques of motivational interviewing. I found out that she had been to the hospital twice in the last month for opiate overdose, required naloxone both times, and has been on methadone on and off for years and really never obtained any sort of significant period of abstinence. I mentioned Suboxone. She'd heard about it, but she was very scared to use it because her partner had had a very negative reaction to the Suboxone when he took it. It sounded like it was probably a precipitated withdrawal. But because we had the time while I was doing the incision and drainage, I was able to educate her a lot about Suboxone and did write her a prescription when she left for a take-home dose that day to initiate it at home and had her follow up with me in the clinic the next day because I happened to be working in the rapid access clinic for addiction medicine. She did not take the Suboxone that night. However, when she came to clinic the next morning, she was in significant withdrawal because she hadn't used any fentanyl since the injection we gave her in the emergency department. And we were able to start her on Suboxone that day. And she's actually done very well. She still has intermittent use of opiates and some other substances, but she's getting to the point where she's feeling quite stable and has had longer periods of abstinence than she's ever had before in her life. Well, that's a fantastic case that really points to not just what we do in the emergency department, but what we can do for patients in the long term, you know, not just looking at 30-day mortality, but that sounds like something that you've really changed this person's life for yeah. for the long run. What, what did you learn from this case? I learned that we need to really think about other ways of providing proper anesthetic to patients who have a very low tolerance to pain and a very high tolerance to opiates since they've been using chronic opiates. I don't usually provide any type of sedation for a peripheral abscess for an IND. And we couldn't get IV access. So using IM fentanyl and PO lorazepam was very effective. So it was a strategy I'd never tried. And we had her on the monitor. So we were sort of doing a pseudo procedural sedation in this case. One option we did talk about was midazolam, intranasal midazolam, but she wanted to be awake for the procedure and didn't want didn't want any intranasal midazolam, but that could have been an option as well. Um, so I learned that we really need to think outside the box when treating very simple presentations like an abscess in this population. I also think a pearl from this is that treating her withdrawal, which the, with the intramuscular fentanyl was very effective because she was almost getting up and leaving, right? Three nurses already tried to get an IV and she was very close to getting out of there and not getting the treatment that she needed. So treating that withdrawal, whether it's in this case or in any other case for any patient in the emergency department is essential. We know that not treating pain and not treating withdrawal effectively increases the risk of somebody leaving against medical advice because they can leave and they know how to treat their pain and withdrawal outside the walls of the emergency department. And then, you know, engaging with the patients and not just treating their immediate 
presenting complaint is essential, right? We had a discussion around our substance use and we talked about Suboxone and Methadone, did a little bit of a history while I was doing the procedure. So it didn't increase her length of stay, but allowed us to come up with a plan moving forward, prescribing Suboxone when she went home and having her follow up with me the next day. Fantastic. So for more on treating opioid withdrawal, there's a lot that's happened in the last 10 years in terms of what we can do in the emergency department to treat these patients. There's a lot of important details to understand and know when it comes to things like prescribing Suboxone in the emergency department. We're going to be covering all of that with Dr. Clayman, Dr. Aaron Orkin, and Dr. Catherine Dong in the upcoming podcast. 